Welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson with Bill Jack from Worldview Academy on this edition. And Bill, it's in the news. You got it on a Sunday. Uh, attempted massacre at the Houston Church, Joel Osteen's outfit down in Houston. Had a, an attempted massacre. Somebody entered with an AK-47, I believe, or was AR-14, whatever. And she attempted... Some say he was a he, some say he was a she, but at this point, I think they're erring on the side that this is a woman who at points has used an alias. But whatever the case, uh, she was shot down and two others were injured and it could have been a lot worse. So uh, thankfully there were two, I guess, officers off duty who took the matter into their own hands immediately and stopped it, uh, the massacre in its tracks. So news services and just about everybody else immediately jumps in and grasps after root causes. And you, you see this, right, Bill? We've right. seen this a hundred times that we've seen it once. And it's a big question. Always. Why did they do this? Why? Why did Why they, do, did they Why? do this? And immediately we, we go off into the transgendered, hey, the transgendered people do this kind of thing. Or mental issues, easy access to guns, hatred of the Jews, pro-Palestinian. Apparently it was a pro-Palestinian uh, c- comment scrawled onto the rifle itself. Or, you know, so. Again, we come back to the question, why do people do the evil things that they do, the evil that men do? Why is there such evil in the world? What was it about these people's environment that caused them to go over the edge? And there is something on shock factor about these sorts of attacks. You know, there's these explosions of intense, immoral evil that comes out of the hearts of men. Oops, I'm showing my cards just there for a second. <laughs> but, um, but unusual acts of evil, a more gruesome, more extensive act of evil brought about by some bloody pogrom or some genocide or something of that sort. It, it introduces a shock factor into the human system. And, and of course, immediately people don't examine their own hearts in any of this. They don't think for a moment that their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. They reject the reasons that should be obvious. They move into the environmental factors quickly, especially liberals, but they want to identify the thing that took them over the edge or the thing that caused them to do the thing that they did. And it's always an external cause. Usually, right. Now, from a Christian perspective, we would say what? Is it nature or nurture? And we say it's nature, Mm -hmm. fundamentally. But nurture does affect a person's choices. You know, I, I think by nature, we tend to do that, which is evil. But there's evil A, evil B, or evil C, right? There's multiple choices one can do. One can choose to do something very bad on any given day, or maybe not so bad in terms of its destructive influence upon other people. So it's the hearts of men is a fundamental thing. Now, secondly, I would include a demonic influence. And this, of course, plays into Mental problems. Okay. So the three things that do tie in the hearts of men, that's fundamental. So we we don't negate that one little bit. But second, demonic influence, and then third, institutional forces. And I do believe that increasing levels of insanity in a society does lead to more violence and more, may I just say, crazy stuff going on around us. And does that make sense? If there's more insanity in a society, you're probably going to expect more crazy stuff going on. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, should. Yeah, it should. Insanity produces 
insane actions. Thank you. Okay. So the hearts of men, first of all, are, as Jesus has told us, full of murder and hatred and these sorts of things. The works of the flesh also manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like of which I told you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Also, Romans chapter 3, they are all gone out of the way. Speaking of Jew and Gentile alike, Paul brings them all into one happy bunch here, and he says they've all gone out of the way. They're together, become unprofitable. There's none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues they have used for deceit, the poison of asps under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. There it is. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, the hearts of men are given to this kind of thing. Now, But you add to that. You add to that. The encouragement of a society to immorality and to insanity. And that's all part of what's really encouraged in the schools today, the K-12 schools. That's moral and, and the media relativism. As well. In the media as well. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you're encouraged to bad worldviews, as you just mentioned, right? To a relativistic worldview. But you're also encouraged to sexual insanity and other forms of insanity, not, yeah. not, not being rational, of, of being increasingly, intensively irrational. Right. Which is happening in the schools today. And there's encouragement in our system too, this irrationality and, and the welcoming into a society of demonic influences. And I would say that happens largely through media, Bill. The, the idea that media is out there to encourage crazy thinking, insane thinking, but also demonic thinking. Think about the rise of horror movies, the horror genre of the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s. Can't be healthy. Are you with me here? This yep. is the opening of the door to demonic influence. By the way, the music can do the same thing. So I'm just saying these are institutional forces. I'm not saying that, that it's not the heart of men. I'm just saying these are intensifying factors. That's all I'm saying. These are intensifying. The, the institutions that we have ushered into the modern uh, demonic age that we live in today is largely in, in, involves uh, this this demonic influence and this encouragement to mental instability and insanity. By the way, the seventh chapter of my new book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, is entirely dedicated to the spiritual rise, but also the spiritual fall and the increase of demonic influence uh, that began in Russia and France uh, in the French Revolution that eventually made its way into America in the 1820s and 1830s, and then the rock and roll revolution and, and so forth. So so the, the, the introduction of a demonic horde into America is part of the chapter of the rise and fall of the spiritual life of the West. In my book, Epoch, the rise and fall, there's a brand new chapter I just introduced, and, and more, I, I would say the final chapter of the book. I just felt we needed to, to know why we are where we are today, and Bill, it has to be something of the invitation of the spiritual demonic force into this country, which really began the 1820s, 1830s, 1840s, and 1850s, but uh, really came in on steroids after the 1960s. I recall as a child uh, in our church, we would have missionaries come from that we, that the church supported. And there was a missionary that came repeatedly, regularly from Africa. And he was in the Congo at the time. 
Okay. And he would talk about the demonic forces that he would encounter. Oh, I've heard so many stories of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now we're seeing that here. No, no. Yeah, it's right here. It's come right to this country. We've taken the lid off. We We, have. We have taken the lid off by by ignoring God's law Mm -hmm. and applying that in culture. And therefore, once you do that, then things will spill out. And that's what's happening. What used to be common in Africa is now common here. What used to be common in pagan cultures is now here. And we should we should expect it to increase. And, and let me also add that the Romans one principle of introducing sexual homosexuality and perversions into a society leads to insanity. I believe that's what Romans one tells us. And Bill, I want you to think about this for a moment. We did a program last week. I think you were involved with this. Twenty eight percent of Gen Zers admit to be LGBTQ, up right. from four percent mm-hmm. some fifteen years ago. So what is that? Sevenfold, a sevenfold increase. So about seven times the demons have come in uh, since uh, roughly two thousand five. So over fifteen years, we've seen a massive increase. Now twenty eight percent. Uh, used to be down in the one two percent in the nineteen nineties, up to three to four percent. Now twenty eight percent claim to be LGBTQ. Mental health problems also have at the very same time, at the very same time, increased at the same rate, at exactly the same rate. Mental health problems among teens have increased by sixty to seventy percent since two thousand ten. The 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 interviewing of young people; these are teens, and uh, ask them, are, "Are you persistently hopeless?" was 36% in 2010, now up to 57%. The CDC report from 2023 found nearly one in three, so about 28%, 30% of, of teens seriously considered attempting suicide, up nearly 60% from a decade ago. So again, a massive, massive increase in suicidal tendencies, upwards to one out of three. So uh, that's about the same ratio as those who claim to be LGBTQ, as I said, but it's not a one-to-one. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one. I'm just saying in general, this is what society is looking like. At the same time, you encourage sexual perversion to the extent that you do through media, through the schools, etc. You're going to see a concomitant increase in mental instability. A rebellion against God and his law order inevitably will result in increasing levels of insanity and hopelessness. That is, if you continually impress upon kids that God does not exist and that they are subject to their own standards of law, that they have replaced God in their own minds, guess what happens in terms of their hope and their sense of meaning and purpose in life? Bill, these things come together. They just come together. Absolutely. Hope can only be found in God. The new report also confirmed ongoing and extreme distress among teens who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, and questioning. And Bill, this is precisely the point I'm trying to make, is that 28% now claim to be LGBTQ. And among the LGBTQ crowd, according to the CDC report, uh, they have an extreme level of distress. So both of these come together. This is precisely what Romans 1 says. Listen to this. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections, for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That is, as as they were given up to vile affections, what's the step two in this? God gives them up to 
a perverted or reprobate mind. So, so the, the first, the sex goes, then the mind goes. And that's precisely what's happening to the teens over the last 15 years. Yeah. It's almost a one-to-one. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one, but almost a one-to-one on this. Uh, for again, they were not grateful to God. They were not willing to worship God, but rather they worship the creator or the creature. Rather, they worship themselves over the creator and they suppressed what they knew of God. So they begin with suppressing what they know of God. They're not grateful to God. They're not willing to worship God, but rather worship themselves or the creature rather than the creator. And the end result is sexual perversion and then insanity. And that's the way it goes in Romans chapter one. That pattern is happening to our country right now. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in just a moment with more on Generations. We've seen it, folks. God is working in the hearts of dads and sons, and he's turning the hearts, turning the hearts of fathers back to the sons and the hearts of sons back to the fathers and turning us all back to God. That's what we're looking for, and that's the theme of the Father-Son Retreat we've been sponsoring out here in the mountains of Colorado for the last 20 years, and I've been part of this for all this time. Now, God has done amazing things through the years. Uh, I've seen it. 350 dads and sons getting into God's word together. Nothing like it. Camaraderie, brothers on brothers. It's a band of brothers coming together. Powerful talks, prayer, father-son walks and talks, meaningful engagement. It's almost going without saying that dads and sons don't get enough time together. And hey, we don't get enough time out in God's nature playing games and going for hikes in God's fresh air. And we don't get quite enough time in God's word either. So don't miss this year's father-son retreats this August in the Colorado Rockies up in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. Check it out at coloradofatherson.com and register today and be one of the first 125 people to sign up and save $100 per father and son. Secure your spot with the biggest discount available right now at coloradofatherson.com. We are back on the Generations broadcast, and Bill, I, I want to tie one more thing into this. We talked about why these folks do these acts of violence and bring about severe evil upon human society. And there are these other cases of these kids who are doing it in the schools. They're, they're conducting massacres in the schools. They've been doing this roughly, well, from the beginning of time, but... It was Klebold and Harris at Columbine High School that introduced the modern pattern. Right. You, you get me. In fact, there you have young men who are pretty committed to an evolutionary perspective. So, again, a worldview that affected them. Right. Well, now here we have the case of what I call the bad moms. They're going to jail. These are moms going to jail because they were bad moms. Okay. Now, I want your comment on this, Bill. Jennifer Crumley the mother of a teenager who killed four students in Michigan school shooting. Very sad. There's a bunch of wounded as well. This was one of the more severe school shootings took place in Michigan. I'm going to say two years ago, something like that. Oh, 2021. So the mother was convicted last week of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. Now, what did she do? Was she there? Was she encouraging him? Was she helping him to plan out the event? None no, of that. She she bought him the gun. She bought as the a gun. gift. Yeah, and then despite, it's a Christmas present. I think yeah. it was a Christmas present. Yeah, despite 
school officials warning them the morning of the shooting that the son was showing concerning signs. They didn't. They didn't lock up the gun. That was so, what happened. Yeah. Yep. That was what so, happened. So therefore, she is found culpable. She's found guilty. She's found guilty, mm-hmm. and uh, of involuntary manslaughter. She's not the first one. No. Nope. As a Virginia mom, this is just in November. Deja Taylor, she's a black woman. She was sentenced to 21 months in prison after her six-year-old son used her gun in a non-fatal shooting of his first-grade teacher. Uh, Federal agents said there was no evidence that Taylor had ever safely stored the gun. She faced 25 years in prison for this bill. 25 years in prison. So they were bad moms. That apparently has been proven. Uh, they consumed marijuana or somebody consumed a marijuana, had an extramarital affair. So they're not, these aren't upstanding folk. Okay? Yeah. They're not exemplary no. people for no. as parents. Now let's take a look at this. Okay. And I, I, I want to use God's law because we always come back to God's law as the standard. We need to, right? We don't live in a relativistic world where we just choose our standard as we go. No, we have a standard. God gives us a standard. But they didn't lock up the guns, the forks, and the knives, Bill. No, I'm serious about that. Yeah. Okay, you're going to lock up the guns. You better lock up the knives. I'm talking about the kitchen knives. Especially if you live in Japan, because Japanese kids have done this kind of thing as well. They don't have guns there. They do it with knives. knives. Right, sure. Sure, I live there. Uh Okay. But what if the teenager drives drunk and the parent didn't restrain the kid? Or do you prosecute the parents for the children's drug use, for stealing, for sexting, and for suicides? I mean, they let them have the cell phone. They let them have the iPhone. They went out and sexted their friend. And now, now we're going to, you know, well, prosecute the That's what, that's what this is coming to. We got to be asking these questions. Right. Now, biblical law, people say, well, what does the Bible say about this? Actually, the Bible actually allows the parent to turn a child into the magistrate. The child is incorrigible. He's drunk, he's beating on his mom, et cetera. So, and there are situations like this where, where the parents are pretty concerned about the level of violence that the child represents. And that's okay. Now, our society today actually hates that law. <laughs> Jesus actually confirmed it in Matthew 50. He says, it's actually a pretty good law, some, some wisdom there. Isn't that what he said? He says, mm-hmm. hey, respect the law, right? Right. And he said, you know, somebody curses and, and strikes his mother or father, he should die the death, is what Jesus said. Pretty hardcore there. Um, but but again, the magistrate should step in at points, and parents should. Um, if, if if things are out of control, then parents should not be forced to live with these teens. Now, I, I believe this kind of thing, okay? Um, and God's law is very strong in these kinds of, kind of things. But biblical law also protects the parents. Listen to Ezekiel 18.19. You say, why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? Well, because the son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. So pretty clear there. Now, there are gross negligence laws where, you know, if a owner of a bull or a mastiff isn't containing the animal, if he's been likely to hurt people in the past. Okay, so this is a bull or a mastiff dog or something that's, you know, proven himself to be dangerous. He's, he's, he's pushed his horn against somebody in the past. It's the way it's presented in scripture. Then you, you, you've got to take that to the magistrate. 
you know, if you got a kid that's just out of control and he's shooting his brothers and sisters across the dinner table and, you know, taking pot shots at dad or running after his friends with a Bowie knife, what do you do with this kid? Take him to the magistrate, restrain him. And I think the parent has a responsibility to do this kind of thing. But that's, that's if you've got a, a, a sense that there has been an issue with this in the past. So, yeah, you're, you're going to have to keep sharp objects away from him and you're probably going to have to turn him into the magistrate. So, so I get that. But now, of course, this means that everybody's going to have to lock up their guns and never use them in self-defense anymore. You know, that's where this is going. Exactly. Uh, the crumbly verdict, now this is from a story I'm pulling from, uh, trying to figure out exactly where it is. I don't have it in front of me, but... According to this particular story, the Crumley verdict has drawn concerns because in 2021, Michigan did not have a safe storage law that required the Crumleys to prevent their minor child or another unauthorized individual from accessing the weapon. A safe storage law will take effect in the state this Tuesday. Although there was no such law at the time of the school shooting, the jury convicted Crumley of involuntary manslaughter for failing to perform a parent's legal duty to exercise reasonable care to control their minor child so as to prevent the minor child from intentionally harming others. Wow, that's kind of a strange it's, law. Okay, that's, so, that's not going to be so, so helpful, is it? Yeah. The child climbs in the car, gets, steals the keys, mm-hmm. and takes off and runs over somebody. Mm-hmm. Are you prosecuting the parents? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Got to watch out for that. No, no, no. Gross negligence isn't that. Well, God's law, I think, is pretty clear on this. And I think what's happening is we're creating more of a nanny state, yes. and the parents are going to suffer for it. Well, my like, guess is this, that's, that's in some cases, going. these women are going to be in prison for longer than their kids. Yeah. Especially for the six-year-old. Right. That's my guess. This mother is going to be serving more time than her son who did the deed. All right. Well, let me wrap up with something practical. There's a fair number of disturbed children in our world today, Bill. I mean, just the world we live in. And it's growing. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Well, let me give you some things. Number one, get help. Do get help. Get counsel. But don't get humanist counsel. Don't just put them on drugs. Reliance on antidepressants and psychotropic drugs. I don't think that's a solution, guys. Now, it can be a short-term solution. I get it. Some people need it. But it doesn't get down to the real root issue here. And according to a 2011 review by the FDA, 31 psychiatric drugs, including three used for ADHD, had a disproportionate association with violence. Keep that in mind. An updated tally of 51 school shooters in secondary schools or colleges showed that seven of them had evidence of recent or current psychiatric medication. So keep that. Also, there's a problem with kids on the drugs and then they go off of it Mm -hmm. or they're not faithful to, you know, take their drugs or they come off too quickly. So my understanding is this can also provide a problem. Now, what do I mean by get help? What I mean, Bill, is get biblical counseling for your family, hopefully from a local pastor, but also from the ACBC guys. doesn't matter so much, but they need to be biblical. They need to go to the word of God. They need to bring the word of God. They need to bring the gospel in. Now, here's a couple other things. What do you do? How do you protect your children? How do you deal with kids who are being depressed? Here's, here's one thing. Don't give them social media. Yeah. H- how, to, how to totally ruin your child. Give them social media at 13 years of age. 
think I'm being a little too fundamentalistic, legalistic with that kind of thing. No, I, I think that's that's just practical. It seems advice. to me that's just that's kind of the most dangerous thing. Get get them out of the bullying environments. Get them out of social environments they can't handle. Train them, teach them, disciple them. Get them out of these peer groups that are so unhealthy. Get rid of the bad inputs. Just get rid of the bad inputs. Replace the bad inputs with good inputs. You might have to change your lifestyle, and you need to bring in the gospel. Bill, I I think there's help out there for for families that deal with. Let me ask you this: Which teenage kid has not had emotional problems working through the teenage years? They they all do, mm. pretty much, right? Right. And at what age do we pour on them all of this garbage? Oh, I know. That just when they're yeah. not in the right Frame mode. And and prepared. They, their worldview is not solidified. They're not able to address these issues from a distinctively biblical approach. They can't handle these things, Bill. You don't throw your kids into alligator pits and say, have fun. Learn to swim. Yeah, you don't do that. Okay. Well, disciple, disciple, disciple in the word of God. When I said change your lifestyle, establish good habits, what do I mean? I mean, it's not, it's not just the corrective thing that you do for your children. It's the day-to-day preventive. It's the day-to-day in the word of God, going through the Psalms, going through the gospels, using the Bible study guides that we provide as, uh, for families all around the world. Uh, guys, you, you got to get into the word of God. Got to start discussing God's word. It's got to be a daily thing. Got to be in prayer. I mean, this this is what's needed more than anything else. Hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Understand that the gloves are off. Spiritual warfare is on. And we need to join the battle. And the only way is to be prepared for this. Put on the whole armor of God. Memorize the word of God. By the way, we're getting a scripture memory program going. We're going to be publishing a scripture memory program as a ministry. But memorize scripture. Be in the word. Pray. Grab a copy of our Proverbs and Psalms Bible study guides available at generations.org. But but here, don't just grab copies of these things. Be in the Word every day. But you know what I'm talking about here? It's the maintenance program. It's the habitual thing that matters. It's not the hit the panic button when we have a problem, run out, find a biblical psychiatrist, and let's fix this thing in the next three months. You follow me? It's the maintenance program that matters. Right. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. Uh, This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.